As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. We've changed our lead story for this edition of the Can't Wait podcast three times today because that's what happens when we schedule one of these shows is stuff just <laughs> happens around the Jets. It was going to be Aaron Rodgers making his uh, preseason debut coming up this weekend in the last preseason game. It was going to be Dan- Dan- Dwayne Brown off the pup list, what he looked like at practice today. But now it's Corey Davis. Let's talk about it. Uh, thanks for joining the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster here, along with Zach Rosenblatt, our Jets reporter at The Athletic. Um, before we get to all of that stuff and to check in on Hard Knocks, because I really enjoyed last night's episode, um, we're starting late, as usual. I have a great excuse uh, for any parents out there. Zach, you don't know the pains of this, but if anybody <laughs> out there has ever put sunscreen on a two-year-old, uh, you feel my pain. We're trying to get... The baby out the door with my wife, get sunscreen on, and uh, yeah, running around the apartment, chattering down. I've I've never I've never had to deal with that myself, but I've I've four nephews, so I know I know what it's like. We, and we were gonna we were gonna dive into you know Connor uh, brought his his uh, daughter and and wife and mom to practice today, so right we could have covered that. Was that, good, that was the lead news, for, so. for a stretch too. Yeah. Was, was Bree and Brooke making their way to uh, to Jets camp? Have they been to Giants practice yet? I don't believe so. No. Uh, well, that's that's fair. Low, low favoritism from Connor. So there you go. That's all that's <laughs> going on. Uh, let's start with Corey Davis, though. Um, this is obviously a guy that there was so much talk in the off season about what would happen with him. Would they trade him? He ends up still being part of this team almost all the way through training camp. And then today, I'll share this. If you're watching on YouTube, you can read along, but he put up the statement on his Instagram account. Uh, For some time now, I've been contemplating stepping away from the sport of football. The decision has not been easy. Although I am a deep person, I am a man of few words. I've been searching my heart for what to do, and I feel that stepping away from the game is the best path for me at this time. I have more blessings than I could ever have imagined. I have an amazing family, a beautiful wife, and two healthy children that I look forward to spending more time with. I am truly grateful for all the opportunities I have had and will continue to have on my journey. Thank you to my family and friends and the Jets organization for supporting me through the process. 
Now, Zach, he's been missing from practice for a little bit. Um, there was some speculation. Did you have an inkling that this was kind of what was going on, or was this a surprise to you? Uh, it was it was it was a surprise to say the least. Um, just to give you a little inside baseball, I after practice we go up to this like uh, patio area for post practice interviews. I I have I had some stuff I was working on, and so and there wasn't any players that I I felt like I needed to like that. There were like there were like Aaron Rodgers wasn't talking today basically. So I, I I went back to my cubicle. This news drops. I see it on Twitter first, and then I see his Instagram post, um, and then. Out of nowhere, I find out that Robert Sala is making a statement to the media. So I, I run back to the patio, which isn't particularly close. I would say it was a decent run. And as soon as I sit down, Sala is finishing his last answer. So um, it was an unsuccessful journey over there. But yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was surprised. I, you know, I was, I really wasn't trying to, wasn't trying to speculate about why Corey was away. They kept emphasizing that it was like he was dealing with something personal. I, I knew he had a kid uh, in the spring, his second kid. Um, in my head, like th- there was definitely alarms going off. Like, okay, maybe they are trying to trade him. Maybe they're trying to release him. Maybe they're trying to do a pay cut. Uh, so I did not expect that to be the news that we heard today. So I would say it w- this on the, on the scale of jet surprises, like this was definitely maybe it's not the biggest surprise because we've had some weird. Stuff, no, like, it's like, like yeah. five, five <laughs> um, out of ten. But this is know. but on other beats, this might be like a a bigger deal almost. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I. I just the journey of the Jets wide receiver room over the last year or two has been something, something to, they might write books about one day. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was shocking. You know, as you mentioned, this whole off season leading up to really up, up until the owners meetings when the Jets kind of declared they were going to keep them. Um, you know, I'd, I'd heard at the end of the season like that, that everybody was operating, including Corey side and the Jets side. They were like, everybody was kind of operating under the assumption that he would not be with them this year. Cause if you looked at the cap space, they didn't really have a lot of avenues to clear cap. It was like him, Carl Lawson and, and like CJ Mosley. Um, and they were structured Carl Lawson or gave him, and he t- accepted a pay cut Corey Davis. That never happened with, I'm pretty sure they approached him about it. I don't know when or what those conversations were like. Ultimately it never happened. Uh, so you had that 10 and a half million dollar, or I guess 11 point, I think 11.3 or 11.1 uh, sitting on the cap. Um, they signed Alan Lazard for around the same money and they have very similar skill sets. And, uh, the idea is that Lazard's a little bit better version of it, better receiver or whatever, at least that's how the jets feel about it. Uh, so that was like my, my first red flag that, okay, maybe he's going to get cut or traded. And then, um, then they signed McCall Harmon, they signed Randall Cobb, they bring back Garrett Wilson. Like that's a lot of mouths to feed. And, and Corey Davis making a lot of money for a guy who might've been the third or fourth receiver this year. Uh, but ultimately, they, the way the Jets had said it and described it, and you know maybe they eventually planned on getting rid of him. I don't know, but they they valued his leadership and his blocking ability like above everything else. And they they the Jets have been operating under the assumption they're going to have a lot of leads, and so if you're going to run a lot, you want your best run blockers out there. And so that's Corey Davis. I thought it was a lot of money to be paying for a guy like that, but um, so I, I was never really entirely sure what his role was going to be. I, I thought he actually was having a pretty good camp. We didn't talk about him as much as um, the other guys, but I, I didn't think he was having a bad camp by any stretch. Um, but, you know, as he said in his message, he's been considering this for a while. So, um, yeah, surprising. I, I I wish Corey all the best. I, he was always nothing but professional with the media. Um, you know, I, I, I think some fans were kind of disappointed in his level of production considering the contract he got signed to. I think a lot of that had to do with health stuff. He was always dealing with something. 
Um, but when he played, I always thought he was a solid NFL wide receiver, a really a guy they loved in the locker room. And now you lose a, a receiver right before the season. And now all of a sudden, I don't think the depth that we've been raving about a receiver out that this definitely takes a major hit to that depth chart, I would say. And we're, we're going to get into that obviously, but um, yeah, I, w- I wish Corey the best. I, I, I think it seems like fans are generally being positive about uh, Corey uh, in the aftermath of this, uh, you know, who knows what he was going through mentally and what he was dealing with or whatever, but um, surprising to say the least, but it is just like a picture perfect moment in Jets beat history. <laughs> I think his tenure is, yeah, kind of mixed when people are going to look back on it, right? Because the the injuries you mentioned, I think some <clears> drops <throat> along the way, he, he kind of had some issues with drops. But then the blocking, it stood out. You know, there's not that many receivers where you notice them in the run game. And I thought Corey Davis was always one of those guys where if the Jets were running successfully, you like, you really noticed him on the yeah. edge, like making the key block to, to spring guys and, and standing up for him. So, yeah, all the best to, to Corey. So let's talk about what it means. If he officially retires, the Jets get that money back? Yeah, sen- essentially, it, 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 I, I asked uh, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus, who happened to be at Jets practice today, which is good timing for him. He's, I've relied on him for – he's a salary cap guru over at a PFF, and I've always relied on his expertise for this stuff. And he – and he said what I thought is when somebody retires, it essentially acts as if you're cutting them. So um, he has to officially file for retirement until he does that. It's not going to happen. The Jets, in theory, could just cut him if they wanted to, and then he could either decide to retire or he, he could go and sign with any other team. Um, but based on the way his, his, the wording of it, he didn't use the word retire, but it, it seems pretty clear he's done, at least for now. So I would guess he files the paperwork, and once that happens, the Jets will save the $10.5 million dollars. Um, which is what, which is why from the beginning I thought he was, you know, a cut candidate and all that stuff, and why I think a lot of people um, assumed uh, that he was going to be on the chopping block. Uh, that, and that's a good chunk of change, you know. They, you know, let me see what they're, how many. So as of now, they have nineteen and a half million dollars according to over the cap. They saved some. I don't think they saved any for for this year for the Rogers deal, but they saved some on the Quinnen extension. They saved some with some other stuff they've done, some restructures. 19 is a good chunk. Now you have 29. That's both breathing room for like in-season costs. And then it allows them to go and make another move at some point. I don't think, I don't see it happening like right now. I know a lot of fans, the immediate reaction is Devonte Adams, Mike Evans, go and get them. Um, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think either of those, te- both of those teams, the Raiders and the Bucks, whatever you think about them, they're going into the season. Yeah. Scott said, Devonte Adams, you are a jet. I've seen a lot of tweets like that too. Um, I, uh, I think both of those teams are going into the season with the intention of trying to win. I think both of those teams might not be very good. And so maybe if we check back in October or November, whenever the trade deadline is, I can't remember. Um, then maybe Devonte or Mike Evans or somebody else around the league becomes an option. I, I don't know that there's anybody right now. I don't think they're going to overpay to go and get somebody. I think they like this group of receivers they have. Uh, like I said, if we all assume that they were going to cut Corey Davis, I mean, you know, in retrospect, they did go after Rodell Beckham, which was another reason mm-hmm. why. Uh, yep. I thought Corey was on. He would have been gone if they got Odell. Um, and yeah, so now you look at the depth charts. You have Garrett at the top. Although we saw what happens when he gets hurt. Their offense was not the same in practice uh, or in the joint practice with the Panthers. Um, so you have Garrett Wilson. You have Alan Lazard. You just paid a lot of money to. You have McCole Hardman. You have Randall Cobb. Those are the four guys. Excuse me. And then you have like guys like Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson, Malik Taylor fighting for a roster spot. 
or I don't think there's anybody that appealing in free agency. If they're available on August 23rd as a receiver, you're they're probably not going to really make a huge impact. I think Jarvis Landry is the biggest name. I saw somebody tweet Kenny Galladay at me. I I don't think Kenny Galladay even realized he was still playing for the Giants when he was on them <laughs> last year. So I I he's I think he's just cashing the paychecks that uh, Dave Gettleman wrote for him. I don't think he's going to be an option. Um, so so what I would keep an eye on for this spot would be whatever talent some some talented receivers break free when rosters cut down because teams can't afford to keep a lot of teams don't really want to keep too many receivers on there so I, you really do see some interesting guys break free so I'll, I'll, i'm probably going to look because i'm going to write something for tomorrow about all this i'm going to look around the league and see who's kind of projected or not make it that would be interesting i, I don't think anybody they get on a waiver claim is going to make a huge huge impact but you never know um you know like the giants got that dude isaiah hodgins from the bills last year and he became their best receiver so um so Matthew Silva just said, watch them sign someone like Jay Kumro. Uh, I think it's an easy joke. He's a former Packers guy. Or I saw somebody suggest getting Jordy Nelson out of retirement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think they're okay at receiver right now, depending on their belief in, like, a Jason Brownlee, maybe even better than they're getting credit for. But So maybe- is the change just there real quick? Because I actually had that yeah. further down in the rundown today before this happened. But does it change things where – the question was, could Brownlee or Gibson or Taylor make the roster to now, like, which one of the three makes the roster? Is that the shift? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, I, if, if, you're looking, if you're looking at it in terms of, yeah, I would say it definitely increases the chances that at least one of those guys make it, certainly, um, if not more than one, but I would say just one for now. And if you're looking at their four receivers, only one of them has size. Alan Lazard. The other ones are not big body guys. Randall Cobb and McCall Harmon are not big body receivers. Garrett Wilson kind of plays like one, but he's not one. So you kind of want to back up for Lazard, I would say. So Brownlee makes the most sense. Brownlee or Malik Taylor. Malik Taylor's, I think, 6'2. Uh, and so I'd say those two, it probably helps them more than Gibson. I, I'm, I'm more skeptical about Gibson because while he's been a pretty good returner, I think they view McCall Harmon as their top returner. So he hasn't shown enough as a receiver to me to quite make the cut. So yeah, I think they're going to be looking for big bodied guys. Um, and if, whether that's Jason Brownlee, I believe is like six, four and he's pretty athletic. I don't know. Or if it's somebody that has more experience in the league, but yeah, that's, that's definitely something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I, I do think, you know, you lose Davis. Maybe this just means that they use 12 personnel more often with two tight ends. I think Jeremy Ruckert looked really good. He, he, I think he's ready to take on a bigger role. Uh, you have ZJ Uzami, you have Tyler Conklin, you have two really good running backs in the backfield. So I, I still think they're pretty they're pretty good in terms of the weapons they have around. But they're and I mean they're Garrett Wilson injury away anyway from being in trouble. But if Alan Lazar gets hurt, they're also kind of in trouble at this point. So um I am curious to see how they approach this now because they do have some money, uh, as we mentioned. I, I don't know what they'll do to spend that on. I think this will this will be more that'll be more something for as it gets closer to the trade deadline and this team is in theory contending or needs a boost and then you go and make a trade but um yeah i'd say brownlee probably wins the most from this he, and he, if he can close out with a good preseason game on saturday i think that will go a long way for him it, the the like gar wilson injury factor brings up it could probably be a whole segment of like yeah which players the Jets can't afford to have get injured. Like, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is one. Yeah. Is Wilson two, or is it, like, Dwayne Brown at this point? I'd say Wilson. Yeah. Well, I think Sauce two 
Garrett so, oh, Wilson. that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Wilson Sauce great. are pretty close. How like the rest of the defense is pretty good. The Jets offense looks way worse without Garrett Wilson in there. I would say right. so. I think Garrett Wilson being number two is honestly a fair argument. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because if if Sauce was out and this, I we're not you know it's all yeah, yeah, terrible yeah. stuff to be talking <laughs> about, but like if Sauce is out, you still have like a t- number one cornerback, so you're really just filling a number two role on the other side. And you can kind I feel like you can hide a cornerback a little bit like as a weakness yeah. as opposed to not having a go-to player for a future hall of fame quarterback to throw to. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's just an interesting moment. And, and I think it sounds like the jets, what, from what Robert Sala said, they knew that he was considering this. And if they knew he's been considering this for last week and a half, maybe they would have made another move if they felt like they needed to by now. I don't know. Right. Um, but it became not official, but he like made it official that he was leaving the Jets today. So, um, so yeah, I'm uh, I am curious to see what this means, how guys react, how they have been reacting, and what they do going forward. But I, this doesn't necessarily change my opinion of the Jets' offense by a whole lot. I, I I think their group, like with Corey Davis as a depth piece, was interesting. But I don't I don't think this changes what they're going to be capable of. It'll ultimately still on the Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson show. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, all right, let's move on to what was previously the lead topic, which was <laughs> Dwayne Brown off the pup list. Um, practicing today, I said to you, I texted you, all right, let's talk about how he looked in practice. And, you, you know, you made it clear he didn't really practice today, but he was on the field. He was moving around. Um, obviously, great news for this Jets team that if if there's been one consistent theme through this entire summer and camp, it's been like, well, we'll be able to judge the offensive line once Dwayne Brown comes back. Well, here he is. Yeah, it's it's pretty big news. Um, if anybody was going to be able to just do what he's doing, where he's only basically going to have like, you know, a week and a half or a week of practices before the season starts, and he's going to go out there, I think it would be he'd be near the top of the list of guys that can handle that. I would say. Um, but yeah, this is you know we've reached a point, and you know I guess we haven't really talked since yeah we haven't talked since Saturday. So I think Makai really showed that he's a force to be reckoned with at right tackle, if not the favorite to start now. He, he's been running with the first team ever since then. Um, and they've been doing Billy Turner at left tackle until Dwayne Brown gets back. The best, the best five as for all the people who have tried to, you know, either jokingly or seriously claim that, you know, I've been anti Mekhi Beckton. I, I think since, if you go back and listen to our podcast, um, yeah, Dan, Dan, I think Dan was joking. Dan Botter said, is this the anti Beckton pod um, in the chat? Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you go back to, at the end of the season last year, I, I've, I've been saying the best version of the Jets' offensive line includes Mekhi Beckton because of his talent. He's the most talented guy they have. 
I think he had he had a lot to prove and through the beginning part of training camp he you know I know he was on a on a plan but I also know he pulled himself out of the uh the Browns game and I think that you know threw up some red flags both internally and externally and I think that was fair and but he's worked his way up he's he's grinded he's in he's getting in better shape and he absolutely dominated it was this Bucks backup so I think it's gonna be interesting to see how he looks against I don't think the Giants are gonna play starters actually but um if he plays well on Saturday he's there's no way they can't they're not going to start him at right tackle. And so you have him at right tackle. You have a healthy Elijah Vera Tucker been in and out of the lineup. You have Connor McGovern at center. Maybe eventually Joe Tittman takes over. You have Lakin Thomas at left guard. You hope that he bounces back from what was a rough year last year. And then you have Dwayne Brown, who I think is better than a lot of fans give credit for. He was playing with one arm last year, and I still thought he was okay. Give him two arms, and I, I think he can be a, a solid left tackle. He doesn't need to be, you know, doesn't need to be Trent Williams or whatever or you know, or Jordan Mailata, like he, he, Dwayne Brown at 38 years old can still be a solid left tackle. And if they just have an okay to solid offensive line, they'll be fine. They just can't have a bad one. <laughs> um, Taylor and, Delgado yeah. says this is Dwayne Brown's 96th training camp. He'll be fine. <laughs> Taylor and Dan both bringing it in the chat. Today. Yeah. By the way, Dan, Dan said, I made a chat. Dan said I made a cameo on hard knocks. I didn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I, I missed I it too. And I, I watched it. I was on the bus for yeah, so speak, speak up. Turning car. Speak I watched up, Dan. it. I, I didn't see it. Dan, give us a time code or you know, time <laughs> in the episode where where Zach was there and what hat he was wearing. <laughs> but uh, I, I know I did appear on One Jet's Drive, maybe, unless that's what he meant. Um, anyway, uh, to, yeah, Dwayne Brown. So I, you know, I still think there this group needs to prove that you know they haven't played a single snap together this entire. Ever, I guess, if you factor in the Beckton factor, four out of five would have been guys that played last year. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, when you see this group play together and you see how Makai does against, you know, starting caliber NFL defensive linemen, and, and we need to see this group keep pass rushers off Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, while he's amazing at those quick passes, you ideally want to give him some times where he can really do damage down the field, too. So they zoomed in on your face. I don't know. I don't think they did in hard knocks. I think yeah. it was one Jets drive. Come on, guys. There's, there's so much Jets them. content yeah. out there right now. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Becton, by the way, the PFF grades from from last game, 85 overall, 90.2 on the run. I mean, it's suddenly like Dwayne Brown, if really back on the left, and this Makai Becton on the right. Yeah. And it feels like all the problems, all the stress and worry and anxiety of the – the fan base about this offensive line. And suddenly it looks like just a solid group. That being said, if either of those guys goes down at yeah. some point. Yeah. I was like about that. to say the the depth obviously is an issue. I think that was the thing that we saw in camp. Yep. Billy Turner, Max Mitchell, Wes Schweitzer to a lesser degree. Uh, Joe Tittman was playing pretty well before he got banged up the other day. I don't think you feel great if you have to play any of those guys necessarily. I mean, if you have to move Elijah, you have the ability to move AVT to right tackle, obviously, which, is a very useful thing, but yeah, I'd say depth is definitely fair to be concerned about. And I think it's even fair to be concerned about if you don't, if you're not, if you're questioning that, that five, because we haven't seen them play or play well necessarily. I, I think it's fair to be skeptical too, but I feel much better about that group than I did a week or two ago. I would say. Yeah. They need to get playing together here for the next couple of weeks and, and get that mesh going. All right. Um, Aaron Rodgers going to play on thursday obviously this Who's is that? breaking news it's it's been out there for a while um he 
he broke it on hard knocks after the fact, I guess, where he said before the pregame started, Salah was telling people that Rogers was going to play, even though he wasn't telling you that, Zach. Yeah, I was just saying um, interesting, but- <laughs> interesting, because after the game, he made it seem like he had no idea. So yeah, it's funny. Um, but he is going to play. I'm assuming not much. You know, what are you expecting? Two series, that sort of thing. Um, the the other thing from Hard Knocks, Salah said was. He didn't want September 11th to be the first time that Aaron Rodgers feels met life, which like, okay, I get it. Like it's going to be electric for that game with the hype around this team. This is a guy who has called Lambeau field home his entire career. I don't think like the electricity of a stadium in any way is going to like be like a whoa for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know that, that kind of, I kind of shook that one off like, okay, whatever. But it is important. I think for, a lot of reasons to for him to at least be out there. And part of that, I think, is to get that that crowd charged up ahead of time, right? To get to see him against the Giants. And, and that fan base is going to be even more excited for September 11th. Yeah, I would say the the fan and the crowd and that part of it, I, I don't think that was actually any factor whatsoever, right? Made other for than good, other, hard knocks sound, yeah, though. Other than, other than maybe the noise, because like, it, it's not going to be regular season noise, but it'll be louder in there. You'd think there'd be Giants fans, so it won't all be positive. So, you know, I think that part of it makes sense. I think the biggest reason to me is the operation, and that's what I've been saying. I, I think they're this group, especially the offensive line. You know, Dwayne Brown won't play, I don't think. Um, neither will Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook. But this offense really hasn't had a lot of like reps together. Ultimately, if you, like just every where everybody is out there, and they still won't on Saturday. But you know, he's going to have the center in front of him. He's going to have most of the offensive line in front of him. Uh, the receivers will all be there. So it's really just a chance for everybody to, uh, to you know, they've all been studying Rodgers' hand signals and his cadence and all that stuff. And this is kind of like the first chance to, like, in a game environment. It's almost like, a you know, a, a an intensified, like, practice or joint practice kind of thing. It's like Rodgers can technically get hit and you're putting him at risk technically. But I, I think ultimately they just want to get just a few reps in there. I Like you, you asked how much I – I'm skeptical to be more than a series or two, but you know, we'll see it. It probably is like, partially up to Aaron, but if we set an over under on passes thrown, is it like two and a half, three and a half, somewhere in that range? Yeah, I can see him throwing five balls. Yeah. Well, I guess if they move the ball. Yeah, that's what it's so it could be three and out, three and out, and he's done, or it could be yeah. they go seven plays down the field and score or whatever. I mean it, it would be Let's if they want to if they want to get if they want to get Jets fans really amped up, he'll like air it out on the first play to Garrett Wilson or something. Yeah. The block, hold if you have to, and air it out. <laughs> uh, all right, how about this? Uh, Over-under is seven and a half, what do you think, on attempts, mm. pass attempts? I'll say under on that, but I, I think I think that's a good over-under. Seven and a half, we'll see. Let us know what you think in the chat. Seven and a half, over-under on pass attempts for Rodgers. That would mean, I think if he throws it, if he throws it eight times, it means they probably score points while he's in the game, I would think. So, um, how much and are you they're going, against, they're going against the Giants' backups too? By the way, they're not going to be playing their starters. That's a good point. Yeah. So, what are you? What are you going to be focused on when he's on the field? The the other players. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's a good question. I mean, I'm I'm honestly just going to be watching a lot of Makai. Um, yeah. I sh- I should note actually, I forgot forgot this even happened honestly because I got distracted. We should have talked about this with the depth part. Alan Lazar did leave practice today. Um, I don't know what the injury is. He sounds like he'll be fine. Um, so I imagine he won't play on Saturday, though. So 
this kind of goes back to the depth issue that we were talking about earlier. I, I just thought I because Connor reported that he's supposed to be fine. Um, but no, there's no timetable, so who knows what that means necessarily with the Jets. Um, and also, Izzy Abanacan is also injured, so they're pretty low on running backs at this point. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I'll be looking at Rodgers, and I'll be looking at how Makai Becton's doing. And, and uh, you know, I'm just curious. I'm curious to see how a lot of these receivers now that have a chance to really play. Like Jason Brownlee might get reps with Aaron Rodgers now. I think that'll be – yeah. like if, if him and Malik and, and uh, Xavier get reps with Rodgers in those first two series, if Rodgers goes to them, Rodgers doesn't go to you unless you're open. So um, – or if, unless you're running the route you're supposed to. So – That'll, those would be the things offensively I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on. But back then, it's still just the ultimate X factor because he could be the most talented guy they have besides AVT probably. But he, he's just so fun to watch even as an offensive lineman because he just will shove dudes into the ground and pancake them, and it's it's fun to watch. Everybody loves a pancake. All right, let's talk about roster. Um, well, there are big performances versus the Bucks. Gibson had the big return. We talked about him. Ashton Davis, best Best game yeah. of his career probably solidified a spot um, if he hadn't already on this roster. So roster spots up in the air. You had a story out earlier this week on the Athletic, uh, theathletic.com slash can't wait. Join for up to a year for a year for one ninety nine a month if you want to get all of Zach's great writing. Um, some of the positions you talked about, will they keep a fourth tight end? Right, that's one thing. Wide receiver yeah. changed, and we talked about that. Um, running back. Let's talk about that. That Bam Knight played. Carter didn't. Seemed like bad yeah. news for Bam Knight. But then with Abanaconda with the thigh injury, like how do you see that right now shaping up in the running back room? Yeah. It, I mean, it's just, I don't know how this Corey Davis thing factors in, but, um, or Izzy's injury, which it sounds like won't be serious. It looked serious in the moment. He, like, you saw it on hard knocks. He was like, I, he couldn't feel his leg. Uh, he hurt his thigh in the moment. Um, but I saw him out there running today, so I think it's he shouldn't be out for too long. But yeah, you know, really I really look like a knee originally. Like yeah, so like, like he like banged knees with an offensive lineman. It didn't yeah. look great. Um, but yeah, you know, I I think I maybe overestimated how much it was between Bam Knight and Michael Carter. I think this the coaching staff maybe values Michael Carter more than I expected because he didn't play very well last year and he's not very explosive. But he does, you know, maybe they trust him more both as a receiver and in protection and stuff like that. And he's a leader in the locker room. Everybody loves him. Um, he's a great locker room guy to have for sure. <clears throat> Thinking he needs to show a little bit more than he did last year. He was really good as a rookie, but anyway, the fact that he didn't play and Knight did play fumbled it at one point, he like tripped Tim Boyle uh, on, on like a passing play. And I didn't think he looked amazing. He still has like some burst and more burst than Michael Carter. I think he's an NFL running back. I just don't know that he there's a spot for him anymore. So I, he's a guy that I could see getting picked up by somebody else. And if he doesn't, I think they would put they would happily bring him back on the practice squad. And if you need to activate him on game day, you can. But yeah, I would say it, it's solidified for me that it's Brees Hall, it's Dalvin Cook, it's Michael Carter, it's Izzy Abanaconda, and then I think they keep Nick Bott in a fullback. And so if you want a sixth running back, Knight is obviously the guy. But I don't know if you want to use a roster spot on that. Although one, again, one did just open up with Corey Davis leaving. So right. we'll see. Um, all right. Not all of these are, are, most of them aren't really sexy talking about like the last guys on the roster. I, but, I think um, fans like that this time. Yeah. Of year, so though. I'm going to grab some, I was, that's what I was going to say is I'm going to grab some from out of the chat a little bit. One question was fifth safety. Yeah. Fifth safety. Um, yeah. Cause like you mentioned, Ashton Davis, I think I always thought he was going to make it. I, my joke 
Oh, not really a joke. Fan, so fans would get mad anytime I would do a roster projection and I would say that Ashton Davis is going to make it in, in the comments if you just go to my articles. It's just I'm getting mad about that. But the coaching staff loves him. They love his special teams role. They love he's, – he's a guy that just does his job and doesn't complain. Um, I get the frustration because he's like a former third-round pick, but he's, uh, he's long, he's tall, he's athletic. So they all like him. Um, but I, I do think Trey Dean, uh, the undrafted rookie from Florida, who I think when we – you know, first started talking about their undrafted rookies was always the one I said had the best chance of making it. I, I still think that's probably the case. He's he's made some flashes. He's a very fiery player. I think you see him getting into a lot of dust ups in practice, uh, both joint and with just Jets teammates. But um, yeah, he's he's a guy that if they keep five safeties, which you know I think kind of makes some sense, especially if you just view Ashton as a special teams guy. I think keeping Trey Dean would make some sense. He's I, the way I calculated it out. I, I you know I first I calculated it. I think there were. I think I had it as like 17 guys battling for six roster spots after that preseason game. I think it's more like uh, three roster spots that are being, that are up for grabs because I think bought in Ashton Davis, Michael Carter are locked in. So, you know, among those three spots, it, it depends. Do they want to keep a third quarterback? Do they want to keep a, well, before it was fifth, it was sixth ride receiver, but now it would be, they're going to keep a fifth ride receiver. So that kind of, I guess it doesn't change anything that much. So if they want to keep a sixth receiver, a fourth tight end, an 11th offensive lineman, a fifth safety, or an extra cornerback. So it's like – or a fifth linebacker, I guess. Cheshire would be the guy. So, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see who gets those like last three spots. And then remember, I don't think they really claimed anybody last year, but Joe Douglas is really good on the waiver wire. So if there's – and they'll be like in the middle of the pack because they only finished with seven wins. So um wouldn't shock me if they claimed somebody on waivers as well, which, which is why you have to say initial 53-man roster these days. Because with between the time from cuts to the season, which is longer than it used to be, uh, guys get claimed. So um, I would say, yeah, there's probably like three spots to be won over the next week and a half. Or four now if you count the Corey Davis spot, I guess. Right. Well, how about quarterback? Because with the new rules, it's kind of an assumption that most teams are going to have the third quarterback yeah. because it becomes a valuable position on game day. Um, where are the Jets with that right now? Because, I mean, Boyle hasn't been great. Yeah, I go back and forth on that quite a bit. Um, you know, on one hand, I, I, that rule is made so you have that third quarterback uh, in case of emergency. And you, in order to do that, they have to be on the 53-man roster. And so the idea is they don't count towards the active game day roster, but they have to count towards the 53. And so I've been predicting Boyle making it this whole summer. But on the other hand, I think that he's been pretty bad in camp for the most part. Uh, he was not good in the preseason. And, you know, I maybe you try, you just risk it for the first week, first couple weeks, whatever it is, and just bring him, because he's obviously not going to get claimed. So push him down to the practice squad and and play with fire a little bit there. Uh, the reality is if you have to play them boil, you're in trouble anyway. So maybe you don't waste the roster spot on them. So, um, so I don't know. That That's one that I'd really keep going back and forth on. One thing that people do seem to be forgetting when they talk about this is that he's very close to Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Um, and so he'll be here, whether he's practice squad or roster, but that is a hundred percent a factor. Um, and so that's, that's where I'm, that's where I, that's why I think it'd be less of a back and forth if he didn't have that Rodgers relationship, honestly. Um, he's perfectly fine as a third quarterback. I would say like, he's a guy that knows this offense and hacking and all that stuff. But um, actually to, not to get away from this topic too quickly, someone just pointed this out or was asking about redshirting guys. Um, 
Harrison Holler says, what's the actual policy yeah. about redshirting guys? They can put them on IR and skip the year. Carter Warren, GBC, yeah. they wouldn't play this year, would they? Yeah. So that, so what the reason there would be less open roster spots if I didn't think that. So Jarek Bernard Conference was put on PUP before the start of training camp or at the start of training camp, and he has not been removed off it. So when the season starts, he can just be on PUP, and that doesn't count him towards the roster until they activate him. So I think that that's what they'll do. In theory, they could um, redshirt him at that point. The Carter Warren one, you can't put a guy on IR before the season starts unless you want him to be out for the year no matter what. So that Carter Warren, who's, who's injured right now, would have to be on the initial 53, and then they'd put him on IR and save a roster spot. I think there's some confusion sometimes with the ability to like stash a guy like that. So they pretty much have to decide, do we think we'll have to play him at all this year? Which if they have the historic bad luck they did last year, they might um, at offensive tackle because they didn't plan to play Max Mitchell. I, I lean more towards him making the 53 and then you put him on IR and then you're able to activate him within three weeks or, you know, keep him on there as long as you want. So I think both are definitely redshirt candidates. Jarek Bernard Converse, I did see running off to the side today. Look who it is. Uh, <laughs> um, I heard – oh, he can't hear me talking. No, but he Connor just peeked in. I was waiting for him to do that. Yeah, so, sorry. Connor. First always, time this year. Yeah. Well, it's my first time doing it at the facility. Um yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, so I would say Carter Warren makes it, but maybe he goes on IR. But yeah, JBC, he's he was running off to the side today. Uh, but I still have he hasn't practiced a single time in training camp, and he's a sixth round pick, so I don't know how much you can expect from him, even though he was intriguing because of how fast he is and stuff. But um, yeah, so that's all a factor in the roster construction, and yeah, it's gonna be the 53. You know, this is as talented of a one to 53 as they've had. You know, probably in a long time, I would say. I haven't followed the Jets for forever, but I I, I feel pretty safe that uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But so I'm I'm interested to see what the final fifty three looks like. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply victorinox the makers of the original swiss army knife have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges mastering functionality innovation iconic design and uncompromising quality with its products the victorinox swiss army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers a screwdriver and even a corkscrew with the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, should we talk about Hard Knocks Episode 3? We, we didn't get to talk about Episode 2. Um, I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't think it was yeah, we'll a standout. I thought 3 was good. Um, we, knocked, we checked off on your bingo card for Hard Knocks. Uh, we checked off a, little, a lot of the things that we had talked about before this all started. We got the Brees Hall Rocky rehab montage. Check. We got the Rogers to Garrett Wilson chemistry coming together montage and storyline. Check. We got the Randall Cobb, Aaron Rodgers, friendship for life, Uncle Aaron, godfather (laughs) of his kids storyline. And an added bonus, they announced that they're having another baby 
on hard knocks i mean it doesn't that was a pretty funny that. moment i would say yeah uh, with the with their um, with his son being like i want a baby in my belly too yeah that was funny yeah <laughs> check and we got well you had predicted tanzel smart we got that yeah, storyline that was a, he fits that, into I the deserve, classic i think i deserve credit for that on. one yeah you do that was outside the box and then one more i had mentioned jerome cap because underdog oh, yeah. undersized wide receiver I thought we would see Kutztown, but anyway, I thought we would see him on the field, like fighting for a spot. That doesn't seem like it's happening, but we get to see him do Eminem's entire freestyle from eight mile and bring down the house. I I thought you knew that it was a good one because I, Dwayne Brown gave him a dap and I feel like Dwayne Brown doesn't just hand them out unless you absolutely deserve them. So yeah, he did a good job because the talent show both this week and last week, that last week otherwise is pretty bad. So Last week yeah. was regrettable. So he did a he, he Jerome Cap won it, and now people know his name outside of uh, like this area. So good for him. Yeah, and cuts down Pennsylvania. Yeah. Sorry, um, sorry. So all of that stuff I thought made this uh, a solid episode. Um, you wrote it up, and and you led with what the episode led with, which I thought was really good too. Was man, like you can be critical of Salah for some stuff, but I feel like if I was on his team, I would run through a wall. Like he's just. He gets it from a motivational standpoint, I think, yeah. in his discussion at the beginning about, and he went through it one at a time, right? I assume he's probably talked to the guys about this before, and but maybe this is the first time he's yeah. presented it because like there's only so much material, right, for a coach to kind of go through. But survivors, contenders, competitors, and commanders, and he explained what each of these kind of types of players are. It was awesome. Robert Sala is winning hard knocks. I would say I'd say Connor is a survivor. That's what I would say. Yes. And yeah. That's fair. And Marissa's and Marissa's the commander of of our podcast. I'll give you a your competitor. Yeah. I'll take competitor. Yeah. Yeah. Marissa's at the top, Connor's at the bottom, and we're in the middle. Yeah. That's that's how I describe it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean uh, as I I kind of figured it would kind of go like this, but it has been like a, it's like a weekly they check in on a Robert Sala motivational speech because I'm sure he does these pretty frequently. So um, he knows what he's doing. He's good at it. Um, this one was far better than the Eagle and the Crow. Yeah, especially because days later he went on WFAN and it was basically like they were like pointing out that other birds can also attack <laughs> uh, can also attack crows or whatever <laughs> or can attack Eagle, eagles. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he, and Robert Sala literally said on the radio, "Don't let facts get in the way of a good story." That's what he said. So. <laughs> Uh, so he's a storyteller and he does a good job yes. of it. Um, I, I, I imagine he has done that one before that we saw, but it's a pretty good one. So, and this is a new, pretty new roster. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say that was big. And, you know, as I wrote in my takeaways, I think Quinn and Williams has really been able to show his personality, uh, in these episodes. He's really, really funny. He's a lot of swagger he's, when he's on the field. Is, like, yeah. Is he, how much of the swagger? Cause I mean, in the second preseason game or joint practices, with the Panthers when he was like, that's 10 sacks. That's 11. You know, he was cocky. Yeah. Uh, well, and, he, and he said, how I'm much him. of that is he just said, fun him personality and, and how much of that is like, he's really that confident. I, I think it might be a little bit of both. I think he's feeling himself because he, he's really, really good. And he's well, Salah keeps pointing out to him how much money, how much he's money making, yeah. which I think yeah. is pretty funny too. Well, I, my favorite part though was when I think it was Mike Evans, like, made a joke about him being fat or something and he just like took that yeah. really i mean it was a huge per- joke really personally took it really personally and then you heard michael clemens said a funny line and then john franklin myers said something funny uh and he responded like fuck you john for saying that 
Um, it was just like really funny seeing that side. Said he was basically like proportional. Like, yeah, he said you're well proportioned, is what he yeah. said. Yeah. Um, and I and I think Michael Clement, I forget the exact quote, but Michael Clemens was basically like, You're you're fit for a fat a big guy, so essentially is what he told him. Um yeah, the D line, I think the, Aaron Rodgers has said this, and it's true. Defensive linemen are some of the funnier guys on a roster generally, I feel like, for whatever reason. So it's been cool seeing that. You saw the Cobb stuff that you mentioned. Kendall Smart saw a little bit of his family life. Um, there was a little bit of Brees. Saw that they're, they're showing more on one Jets drive about Brees, so I don't think there was as much compelling about Brees in this one. And you're kind of seeing this was more of a Roger, Aaron Rodgers the comedian episode. I feel like he was yeah. very, very jokey this episode, uh, you know, messing around with Zach Wilson. Um you know, he's cracking jokes when guys were like fighting during practice. And like, there's just a lot of like, and him in like the meeting rooms and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's just showing him having fun in this episode. I feel like there's somebody else that was heavily featured too. I'm blanking. Uh, I had Cap, Smart, Cobb, Rogers to, well, Wilson, yeah, uh, Brees Hall. Uh, the last episode, we had McDonald featured True. go into the, uh, Get a piercing, the piercing yeah. parlor. That was that was pretty good. Although I don't enjoy. Oh, yeah, I don't love zooming in on noodle. Yeah, posted through their skin, but didn't enjoy zooming in on the needle stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this one uh, also had. I think we talked about it before it started. We knew Woody would try to find mm. his way into this, right? And I think the worst part of this episode was Woody's chain. Oh, t- yeah, yeah. That was it. Was pretty cringe, but um, <laughs> you know the players seemed to think it was funny. Yeah, Taylor Delgado just pointed out the moment that I was trying to think of Thomas Morstead. I think that was oh, the yes. moment of the episode where Randall Cobb is just cracking up, going up to everybody, saying, "Watch Thomas Morstead after the extra points because he's the holder on those." And as soon as they're done, he just like turns, shuffles his feet, and starts like running really fast to the sideline. <laughs> and it just looks funny because he's this tall punter guy. And then he started explaining it. He's like, it "Keeps me limber," and everybody's always asking, "What the hell am I doing?" But you know, it works for me. So. <laughs> so that that was one of that was the funniest moment of the episode, I thought. Has that put a uh, oh some sightings? Mark Sanchez was in this episode. Yep. Although they um, they showed more of that convo in one Jets drive. Shout out to them, Braylon Edwards, and Braylon I don't think Edwards they included too. it on this one, but Eric Decker was also there. And there's a funny line in the one Jets drive where he like said how attractive Eric Decker is, basically. <laughs> Good looking guy. And uh, Ralph Macchio, right? At the Ralph end. Macchio. I, I, the day he was there, I was I did not realize. Apparently, I was standing like right next to him and did not even realize it. And then after the fact, I saw the Diana Rossini, who we just shout out to her. We just hired her. And uh, yes, new, the think? newest. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah, get, yeah. We're going to get her on here soon. I was, I've been texting with her about it. Uh, and then Janae Coakley, who works for SNY with Connor. Uh, sorry for her having to deal with that. But um they, they they both took pictures with them and they were showing them. I'm like, I missed. For, I was standing next to the Karate Kid and I did not realize it. <laughs> I watched Cobra Kai. I, I wasn't when I was a kid. I, it wasn't like a Karate Kid was my favorite movie. I've kind of come to it later in life, but Cobra Kai is a very fun show. And it was yeah. just kind of surreal being like, I, there keeps being celebrities and I keep like missing a chance to take. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is the whole because there's been you know Method Man. There's been a lot. Um, Leaf Schreiber right? obviously is there because of Hard Knocks. But is this a Hey, we're on Hard Knocks. Let's bring in these guys. Or is this a regular Jets preseason? I don't think it's Hard Knocks, and I don't think it's a regular. I think it's this is a the attraction. This is a place that like Aaron Rodgers is here and like stars and celebrities. It's like when yeah, like, the, like it's like the like, 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 like stars like stars yeah. go to Lakers games, stars go right. to Knicks games. Like I, right. I literally think that's these are all Jets fans that are doing it. So they're like yeah, letting these maybe they're asking him to come to like speak to the team. That honestly might be it because Method Man did Karate Kid. 
did and he like quoted uh mr miyagi much <laughs> respect to him for I'm, i wonder how many i think some people were very confused because like sauce Gardner has no idea who that is like a lot of the guys yeah, yeah were like oh okay yeah, yeah like there are a lot of the young there i mean there was a on the first step was it the first maybe the second oh, the second episode at the end they showed a thing where todd downing was like educating the quarterback room on movies they do like a sunday cinema or something that was so they were teaching him about leslie nielsen like zach wilson does not know who ralph macchio is there's maybe he knows what karate kid is because he wears the headband and stuff the bandana which aaron Rodgers made fun of him about um yes but yeah so he gets gets sweat in his eyes it's funny it'd be funny to see the percentage of who knows who method man is who might be before the time of a lot of those guys but not connor think, hughes right yeah connor hughes does not know who he is. this is a rough but I, I think music is pretty long lasting whereas you know movies sometimes are of their time so maybe more of them knew method man but i would be curious to see like the percentages of who knew both of them and who knew leaf shriver which i feel like maybe just aaron Rodgers did in that locker room the thing about leaf shriver too is like he doesn't actually talk the way Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it kind of like throws has, you off because he has a good voice. Like if you think totally. of Ray Donovan, he has like an yeah, yeah. Well, but if you think voice. about it, he's he's like sitting in a recording studio and he does the hard knocks thing, and right. or like in his closet, uh, and he's like using his best deep, clear voice. Whereas he, when he's just talking, he's just a regular guy. Yeah. All right, I think that puts a bow on it. What do you think? Do we miss anything? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure by the time we hang up, there'll be some more news. But um, <laughs> action-packed news-breaking day here on can't not breaking, but reacting <laughs> to breaking news here. I can't wait because we schedule a podcast and the stuff happens. We'll be back again uh, next week. We'll be done with yeah, after roster games. cuts, right? Maybe Tuesday. Yeah, roster cuts. Yep. Um, we'll figure out who's on the 53 man. Um, were there mistakes made? Is it? Are you doing predictions ahead of that? Yeah, I'm going to be doing my last prediction after the game on Saturday. I think it'll be my post-game story. All right, so we'll see how Zach did somewhere between 47 and 53, hopefully, right? Is that a safe bet if you're in that range? Pretty. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I I feel pretty confident. I I think this is going to be my best one. This is going to be my my masterpiece is my prediction. (laughs) All right, we'll see if he nails it. We'll be back with everybody on Tuesday after the cuts go down. Uh, Thanks for joining us on the Can't Wait Podcast.